COVID-19 safety measures were strictly adhered to at all times during this production. Welcome to our new podcast, The Anku. I'm Yanling. And I'm Sean. And usually on our usual freelance creative exchange podcast, we talk to professionals about how to supercharge their freelance careers. But after speaking to so many people, we were thinking, how did they get so cool? I mean, in order to achieve their successes and fame, they must have been pretty uncool at a certain point. No matter what kind of successes they have, we get our guests to dish out all the awkward moments that led them to where they are now. Some are even putting the cool in uncool jobs. So let's go talk to the uncools. Bad publicity is better than no publicity, but is that true? Well, it's uncool either way. Well, today we're going to be speaking to a PR entrepreneur who's going to tell us why public relations is so cool. So you have been working in PR for, I don't know, close to 20 years, over 20 years, and you have uh, your own close, age. Yeah, 18 years, yeah. You are like a very known name within this PR agency as well, a PR space in Singapore. An agency is like the special forces of the marketing world, you know. You have your military, your armour, you have your air force, but because you are the jack of all trades in an agency, you have to basically be the middleman between the media and the client. You have to deal with difficult clients. There's a lot of EQ involved with that. Uh, And then you have to deal with the media. You have to try and convince them. So you're constantly stuck in between. And at the same time, you must uh, learn how to write in terms of many different kinds of styles, you know. Mm-hmm. So I, I've had to write from very uh, fluffy kind of pieces for FNB and Lifestyle and I have to go switch to like uh, pharmaceutical and security kind of. So, you know, it is a great, great learning curve, especially, you know, if you're new, you're just graduating and they throw you into yeah. the deep end, you either sink or swim. Now, because I'm the managing director of my own company, it's very different from how I was as a grunt, right, a, mm-hmm. a minion. So, I mean, for my day, I'm basically, I'm always reading the news, right? Mm-hmm. So I wake up and I, I scroll through social media. I I try and read opinion piece, pieces a lot. Mm-hmm. I think what's important is understanding trends, where trends are moving. Because, you know, like if there's a big news piece that people are talking about, I try and read the comments especially. Yeah. I, I thought the comment section was very noisy all it's the time. It's hilarious. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, go really. to, I go to Facebook just to read comments. Yeah, actually, I don't yeah. even care about the, the actual article. I mean, I do, just to know what they're <laughs> bitching about. But it's so funny. It is, it is, it, it, yeah, uh, yeah it's, for, it's for entertainment relief as well. Uh. You know, market research but, and But do you find relief. that social media is it's just too crowded space now? It's just yes. too noisy to even get anything useful out of it. it it's like, I, I feel that like every village idiot now has a voice, you know. So, so that is dangerous. Uh, so it is very difficult for the common man to decipher what is good and what is not. And sometimes, you know, you just get blinded by it. Right, mm. you know, especially I think people's people tend to to resonate with points of views that are closer to theirs, right? Even if it's wrong, so now you can find any idiot that will have any point of view under the sun. So all you need to do is latch on to someone's point of view and then blow it up and find a community that's similar to that. And wow, you've got an influencer community, you know, on something like flat earthers. You know, you can't stop people from having opinions. You know, compared to before. You, you could, right? You, because there was no platform for them. But now everyone has a platform. So how did you how did you become so cool? 
Uh, it's pretty infamous actually. Uh, I I think that I like to poke the hornet's nest. I guess it was an ev- evolutionary process. Um, you know, I I kind of got jaded a, a, a bit because I, I did in-house, uh, in-house role as well and I was in a very corporate in-house role. It was recruitment, right? Mm. Uh, and uh, it was not exactly how I pictured PR. It was very corporate. Uh, but at the same time, you learn how people think and how people view it, right? Uh, a piece of information, they, they believe that a press release is a means to an end. Uh, you know, like you send out a press release, many clients have this, this point of view that, oh, I've done my due diligence, I've sent out a press release, I'm sure going to get coverage. No. And then when I tell clients this, they're like, what do you mean? For me, basically, PR is about awareness, right? And uh, I think my point of view when it comes to PR, I, I started before social media. Mm-hmm. So I've seen how it has evolved with social media. Uh, and, and so when I started in an agency life, I learned the basics, the fundamentals of PR, which is uh, very much attuned to writing, you know, structure for a press release, stuff like that. PR is all about storytelling, right? How, how do you basically push the narrative across? Uh, and I think there's a lot of education that's needed when it comes to this field. So uh, I try and make it more fun. It's about telling stories for brands. That's in a nutshell what PR is. I think the misconception is that PR is a very structured kind of thing when it comes to marketing. That is the biggest misconception. You know, because people associate advertising with creativity. People associate, you know, the whole, you know, uh, fun ads, funny ads, you know, stuff like that. So my biggest question is, why can't PR be the same? Why can't PR be fun and creative? So why not? Uh, Why not? Because people's, uh, people's minds are ingrained in basically how PR is supposed to be. They tend to associate PR with a corporate communication structure. Mm-hmm. But if you go overseas and you venture overseas, people are breaking boundaries when it comes to PR, mm-hmm. you know, when it comes to influencing minds, uh, when it comes to basically changing perceptions on certain things. If you look at UK, there's so many interesting campaigns when it comes to domestic abuse, when it comes to, you know, uh, sustainability, environmental awareness. and and you need PR for that because you're basically influencing the minds and hearts of the public. Uh, you're not really just pushing out sales brochures to their face, you know, and expecting them to be converted overnight. Yeah. So there's a psychological aspect when it comes to PR. You need to understand who your audience is and that's where analytics comes into play. So uh, how I see it is that there's a whole kind of symbiotic relationship with the digital sphere and digital does help PR uh, significantly because you never had analytics like how you can do it now, right? When I started like 18 years ago, uh, it was based on surveys, etc. Now you can have analytics, you know, in like uh, one month through social media channels. Mm. So it does wonders basically uh, for, for marketeers, for PR strategists. PR, I would say, from what you have mentioned, is more or less the influencer behind influencers. Yes. Uh, you see, how do you say, when social media came came into the picture, I think people started making it sound like the means to an end. You know, it was just a standoff alone from the whole marketing kind of picture. Mm. And I think influencers became a product of their own. Uh, however, for me, my question is, yeah, digital is great. You know, you have this kind of, you know, your digital marketing, you have Facebook, social media, but where is your strategy? 
right? And I think that's fundamentally missing in many campaigns, right? You hire a great influencer, fine, you know, uh, that's wonderful. But what is your strategy? You can't be doing Instagram videos throughout your whole campaign, right? The message has to evolve in some way. You have to fine-tune that. Unless you're looking for a short-term campaign, fine, fair enough. Then get, get an influencer with many followers and likes. But uh, you need to think uh, forward, right? You can't just be limited in your mindset. So th this is where I try and educate uh, some clients, you know, marketeers especially, like, uh, yeah, okay, fine, this is good to have, but what is your plan moving forward? And and that, that, that is something that shouldn't be dismissed, right? Because so in in many things which, which you know, they're pet peeves for me, and, and, and I think Sean would know I'm always on Facebook griping about certain aspects, right? I'm pretty vocal, and I guess that's how people tend to know me. Uh, so besides strategy, I think one of the things that, that irks me is, is the, the lack of a crisis comms plan, you know, especially for large companies, you know. And when I see like uh, public fiascos, you know, like, uh, I don't know, like a restaurant where they find a, a dead rat inside, for example, you know, and they're scattering everywhere. And it just irks me because these procedures should be in place because you're safeguarding your brand image, right? Yeah. And, and basically, you are actually uh, putting positive uh, uh, imagery to the public, right? You're, you're basically giving them a positive image. I mean, I know that's the, the, the old kind of saying that any, any PR is good PR. Yes and no, uh, you know, but uh, you use that as a leverage to basically talk good things about yourself. What do you think of the, the, the environment now where, you know, in the media, everything must be fast, everything must be now, now I need it, uh, you know, and then they think, oh, you know, PR is just too too slow, man. Too too traditional, too slow. Well, PR, I've always said this to clients, is a slow burn, right? You you can't influence people overnight. Um, uh, you you need some time to basically uh, understand them. It's like you know, if you if you want to to talk to someone at a networking event, right? You can't basically push your product in their face. You got to ask them about, find out more about their background, make small talk. You know, you got to you know maybe try and get them to. To uh, build, you gotta build some rapport with them first mm. before you can actually start to influence them, and that that's basically what PR does. You need to build rapport with your audience before you shove a flyer in their face, you know. And I think that's the problem with a lot of advertisers now. They're basically shoving information in their face, and they feel that the more they shove things in people's faces, yeah. they're gonna be influenced. No, maybe they'll be pressured to buy the product, right? But after then, that after that. Where, where is the opportunity to build a relationship? There's no opportunity. But, but, yeah. that, but what you're saying is a bit more intangible in a sense. True, true. But if you think about it from a way, you know, from a return on investment, don't you want something a bit more tangible? <laughs> return on investment. I keep hearing that all the time, you see. Well, I, I always see things as, as a long-term kind of, of, of strategy, right? You, you, if you think about just monetary gains alone, right, you're losing the big picture. Because for me, I think sustainability, if you have a long-term client rather than a short-term client with a big budget, uh, it, it's, it's better because you build a good relationship. Uh, you basically uh, build a good rapport with them in order for you to you know, keep on selling more stuff to them. And they'll keep coming back. That's the best thing. It has to do with a lot of EQ, uh, not, not just uh, uh, churning out numbers and, and advising them. So they come to me, a lot of my clients come to me with, with small minor things like they get complaints, you know, and stuff like that. And I, I just give them from my personal point of view how it sh should be done, you know, how they should reply. So, uh, yeah, I, I, I always say this, you know, that, that common sense is not so common. 
and <laughs> and uh, uh, unfortunately, uh, many people have lost that touch of humanity with them, and it could be due to many reasons: mobile phones. It could be due to just uh, lack of communication with people, physical interaction. But uh, you know, sometimes you just need to to give that personal touch. I mean, one one example which which still resonates with me is 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 in for SQ right SIA right. When there was a plane crash, uh, I can't remember which year, uh, and it was during a press conference, and and one of the the parents of the victim started screaming or something, mm, and and the boss, the CEO actually came down and 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 comforted her. That message right spoke. A thousand words, right? It's better than a press release. It's better than a statement. It's that physical kind of touch you need to bring to your audience when it comes to PR, and I try to do that as well. You know, in terms of not just a general statement, uh, it has to to evoke emotion. It has to show that you're sorry. You know, and you have to admit your mistake. I, I believe mm -hmm. if you want to do recovery. So many brands I know clients are adverse to apologizing, and and that that is uh, I can understand to protect their own brand image. But if you don't admit you're at fault when it comes to certain situations, you can't mend that relationship with with whichever which which who with whoever you uh, have spoiled that in the first place. You see, you have to 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 come underneath and basically sweep them off their feet. You know, it's like a romance novel, and basically yeah. they'll fall in love with you, and then they will, they will willingly want to buy your product. I think a lot of people have this question nowadays, uh, or this worry that they are being influenced mm. against their will. Right? Yeah. It's not something that I am super worried about. I think because I'm sort of in an industry, mm. I let myself be influenced because I know it's everywhere. Right? Mm. But what do you have to say about that? You are basically in that. You're right? you are in the business of. You see what you mentioned just now, where I'm subtly influencing you without even knowing you, without you knowing it. Yeah. Right. I'm telling you this story. I'm making you believe it. No, I totally agree with that. I think we are influenced from the time we are born. I mean, uh, you can walk down the street and you have hundreds of ads thrown in your face. You know, everything. And now with a mobile phone, it's you're constantly taking in information, right? Yeah. Uh, but I think I give people the benefit of the doubt. People have a brain. Uh, I think they're able to discern, you know, something that's really ridiculous from something they don't want, right? And uh, what I don't like is basically force feeding people a same kind of message again and again to try and convince them. It's just annoying. It's irritating. It's like those YouTube ads YouTube that pop ads. up, you know, <laughs> in the middle of a you're watching a, a like a educational piece and then it just pops up. How is that supposed to make you like the brand? I don't get it. You know, it just annoys me. I just would, would never go and buy that brand ever. Literally. Yeah. So what is the point of the it. views if people hate it, right? So this is the question that, that marketeers have to realize, right? Don't just do it for the sake of doing it. You know, do it. If you want to do something and you want to influence people, do it subtly so that they'll eventually like your brand, not detest it. If, it, if it's just numbers to, to prove a point that, oh, you know, I've distributed 5,000 flyers today but where has that got you? Where does that help in terms of the sales or does it bring positivity to your brand? But the numbers are important I think from gathering information about who your audience is. That is very important. You know, whether it's through surveys or talking, etc. You know, uh, that is where numbers should be used. Not in, in, not, not in terms of proving that you've distributed or you've reached so many people because engagement is more important than reach at the end of the day. Yeah, there's some clients 
expect me to send out like 10 press releases in a month. I'm like, are you kidding me? You know, they don't get it. You know, so the I always use a personal approach when I when I actually reach out to to the media. You know, I send personal pictures. I call them up. I actually do pick up the phone and call them. Yeah, uh, which people don't do anymore. Uh, and um, it's 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 better because you're selling a story to them. Mm-hmm. And if they're not interested, uh, that's fine. You know, and most of the time, if you take that personal approach and you reach out to them personally instead of spamming everyone with the same email. Uh, they would ask for more information. And if they're not interested, fine. You've already built a relationship. You've already established that rapport with this journalist, right? Mm -hmm. And the next time you send them something, there's a higher chance that they're going to entertain you. You know, but people don't seem to understand that. It's all about numbers now. Recently, there was Clubhouse. Before that, there was the, I mean, TikTok. And then before that, there was Snapchat. And of course, Instagram, Facebook. So many. And you said you came from this time where PR was just writing P- PRs, press releases. Yeah. Right? How has that changed? Like, apart from having just the numbers, just having avenues. The bottom line is that your narrative and message has to be fluid. And now it's being more fluid because it is basically evolving into many different platforms. Mm-hmm. And a marketer has to understand this that. Um, they will, there will always be new platforms emerging. How do you basically change your message to suit the platform? And that is why I go back again, in which case you have to understand your audience. Because each of these platforms have their own audience. And if you understand the audience from these platforms, you'll be able to fine-tune and twist the message to suit them. So it's not like, I want to be on every platform. No. It's, it's, yeah. <laughs> You can't fight every battle. You have to pick and choose your battles. But the good thing about these yeah. platforms, though, is that sometimes you don't have to do anything. People, well, people just share it for you. Yeah, I put it on one platform and then someone shares it, someone shares it. Next thing you know, you're like, I'm on 10 platforms. That's like if you're really lucky, though. Yeah, I mean, there are many factors involved. If you have star power, if you have, you know, like, like I mean, honestly speaking, you know, Gangnam Style, right? There's a, yeah. there's a very interesting case study on Gangnam Style. The guy is a marketing genius, right? Mm-hmm. Why he's a marketing genius is because how he actually pushed Gangnam Style to the world. He worked with many different influencers which had their own clout, right? And when he launched the video, he made sure that he launched it directly to them. And they reached out to their own influencers. So it was like Uh, like a a viral effect. effect. A ripple effect, you know? And he was one of the first few people to actually do this, you know? And now a lot of influencers are following his his kind of uh, method, his methodology. Mm. If you look at Hollywood, how they, they... how they basically release certain trailers of movies and stuff like that to get that viral kind of effect. But Gangnam Style basically uh, achieved cult status because of how he planned it. Mm. Not necessarily because the video is amazing. I mean, that's subjective, right? Yeah. It's just everyone was just doing it at the same time and and listening to it and it's just spread by word so, of mouth. So there's yeah. a science and like to it. There is a science. And if which is a trade secret, I guess. For you're not gonna share. No, there's no there's no fixed rule, you see. People seem to think that there's a fixed formula, but it is fluid. It it depends on your brand, it depends on the market at that time, how the audience is, right? Mm-hmm. And 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 basically, uh, you know, the 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 zeitgeist of the world. You I know? get what you're saying. Yeah. 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 So there cannot be a fixed formula. There has to be a lot of research that goes into it to, to make you know uh, uh, 
a proven theory on why it should work, but most of the time, it's not going to work. Look at SpaceX, right? I mean, how many times has Elon Musk launched his, his rocket and it's exploded, you know? I'm sure he's a genius. He's done so many calculations. He's worked with, with scientists, etc. But shit can still happen. I think that in, in general, in our media industry, people are thinking like, oh, I've got a degree in... I can go and be like a director now. I can go be like this this great great D, uh, DOP now or something. And in 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 film speak, in PR speak, they think, oh yeah, I've, I've graduated. I can I've graduated. I can go run my own company Agency. and yeah, I'm and, gonna represent. And so what do you have got to say about this about about this uh, mm. new mm. new graduates all coming out and thinking it's that easy? I have to hold my tongue a bit. Let me let me okay. tell you just a story. Like I I remember interviewing this person right and um. At the end of the interview, she 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 not even just wanted to prove herself. She just came in the interview saying that I want this pay. And she rubbed her credentials in my face and everything and a fresh grad. And I said that, okay, this is nice, but what benefit does it have to me? Right? And she just couldn't answer and she said, But I have credentials, but I have the okay, that's nice. How does it benefit me? Are you going to give me more leads? Are you going to help me, you know, run the clients that I currently have? Do you know the processes? The answer is no. So if you don't bring benefit to me, why should I pay you that salary? And that is the, the, the biggest thing that's missing, right? They're being fed this, 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 this bullshit, right? Sorry, I have to say it, right? In terms of credentials means capability. No, the only way you're going to be able to be capable enough to earn your respect and earn that amount that you want is through experience. That's it. And your degree is basically a foot in the door to get you into places, right? And you should actually be grateful for that opportunity. I mean, you and me, when we graduated, we were smack in the middle of the SARS crisis. Do you remember? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that was pretty challenging, you know? And now the grads now are in a more challenging situation, you know? so. I always say this to them, you know, you need to basically understand your environment before you make demands. Yeah. If you want to make demands, you make sure that you 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 know what what you bring to the table, right? Mm -hmm. And if you know that what you bring to the table now is useless to your employer, eat some humble pie. Not, not to be discouraging or disparaging, but look at a lot of new generation coming up be like, nah, I'm gonna be a director because I, I got I got first class honors or something like that. <laughs> But I think you it know, comes up with every batch. Because apparently when I was graduating as well, it was like that as well. I've been just talking to everyone who wants to be a director. No, and, and they think they can because you look at YouTube, for example, and you know, like, oh yeah, it's, so you, you, anyone, it's, it's like democracy right now. It's like mm. empower, empowerment to the individual. I can go make my own videos, yeah, put right, it on YouTube. I don't have to go through the, so as many gatekeepers as they used to go through. Is that, the, is that happening as well you find in, in your PR industry? I, I, I respect that, you know. I think that that's something, this, this confidence as well that uh, the, the, new, the new generation is having. It, it, is, it is, for employers, it can be a disadvantage. But I think for the whole industry, I think it's setting new, new boundaries, you know. It's, it's changing perceptions because they're, they're basically questioning why, you know. Why do we have to do it this way, you know. Uh, and and that's, that's, that's great because that's the only way the industry can evolve if you start asking questions. If you carry on doing selling things the same way as you've always done for eons, things are never going to change. That's how you get your Elon Musk and stuff like that because he always questions why. That is an entrepreneurial mindset. But before you can actually be an entrepreneur, 
you need to learn the ropes and you need to go through the the trials that's all i'm saying mm. but keep that mindset you know so what was your trials like what oh my god <laughs> yeah how did you get where you are what is your trial <laughs> We yeah. ask everyone this question. What was so un, you know, what when what was that one moment? Well, my first job, I remember I was thrown in an agency. I remember working 12 hour days. Uh it was quite brutal. There was a lot of politics which I wasn't used to. Mm-hmm. Uh you know, and uh I didn't know how to play the the political game. So, mm-hmm. my supervisor would constantly just um uh he would constantly any small mistake I did, he would write back and CC the boss. So oh, I always so passive, look bad. Passive. Always look bad, right? And he wouldn't tell me face to face. He would basically do this in email, and I and he didn't know like why are you doing this to me, right? I'm this new guy, and and and, and it just even if I ask him a question, he would snap at me. So it was this constant kind of abuse I I had to take, uh, and uh, I I was basically you know the lowest common denominator, and I had to do everything from reports. You know, scanning in the morning, and then you had to write press releases, and then if you was in a bad mood, if you wrote something, he'll keep saying, "Oh, this is rubbish. Redo it, redo it." So you have to do like, like ten drafts, eleven drafts of one thing, and then after you finish that, you have like to do the reports in the evening. So the work just kept piling on. Yeah. You know, uh, this is something that doesn't happen today. Now, now if you get this fresh grad that goes in an environment like that, oh, they'll quit in one month. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, they will. Yeah, they will. They won't the, be taking. But the process still the same, isn't it? You still have to do the same scanning, except maybe even more because there's more platforms now. Well, last time it was actually more tedious because you had to physically cut from the newspaper these articles, oh, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. And you had to paste it in a certain way, and you had these files, you know. Now so you just Google Drive. Yeah. Now, now you can scan it. It's faster, right? Uh, and everything is online as well. Last time, the newspapers, not many of them had online platforms. Online media was a very new kind of thing. Yeah. You know, clients were skeptical about it. Oh, I don't want to be seen online. You know, huh? Bloggers, influencers. You know, if if we would pitch that to to clients, they'll be like, they'll, they'll think we are nuts. You know, they'll think that all these are like nobodies. Yeah, now everyone wants influencers, well, right? Now you, you people go and do well casting for TV shows or films, and they'd be like. Yeah, this actor has so many thousand followers. He's cool. Thirty thousand followers. He's on, and but and they think that because you he has this amount of followers, that's automatically in a sense going to move, in and in transcend into view eyeballs or viewership for their films or their TV shows. And I don't know, I don't know if that, how effective that is actually. I, what what what's your thought? It's a very simplistic point of view because honestly speaking, even if you know a, a news a, a news piece comes out in. The largest read daily in Singapore, right? Uh, that ne- doesn't necessarily ensure that people will 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 come to your restaurant establishment or buy your product. It is mm. just creating awareness, mm. right? But to get engagement, to basically make sure your product is is good, it is a longer term process, right? So mm. it, I I think that people now are expecting quick fixes, right? Mm. Yeah. And quick fixes don't work in any kind of marketing tool, right? They need to factor in time. Mm-hmm. They need to basically see how people react to their product or service, and it is an experimental kind of thing, right? There is no panacea for for uh, marketing success. You know, there there cannot be. Uh, every tool has its advantages, mm-hmm. but you basically need to to see trial and error to basically find your sweet spot, so that you know what message. To to sell to your audience, mm-hmm. and that takes time. It takes at least six months to a year. Mm-hmm. If you look at some of the the most successful brands, 
they were almost dying. You think Amazon was successful overnight? No, you know, and people don't seem to realize that. So, yeah. so speaking of successes, then I mean, clearly you've had a lot, uh, and of course you have had failures as well. More failures. Uh, and but you've had your successes for sure. Yeah. You've had your successes for sure. So my question then is that what goes, in your opinion, what is the one most important thing you need to be successful in, let's say, a pitch to go and get a client, or or in a you know, or in a campaign? Or What's the one most successful? quality you need okay this is something i realized right it doesn't matter how colorful your pitch deck is it doesn't matter what numbers you can give but you need to give that confidence to the client that what you're saying is not crap right they need to basically look you in the eye and basically see that you will deliver and that you are confident of what you're saying and that is something i think i've been to pitches and I've seen people read off the decks and and it's cringeworthy, right? Because it doesn't give any confidence to the client. Uh, you know, yeah, someone else maybe have, has has produced that deck. You're just reading off it. Mm. But if you actually are able to to tell the client certain things and you're honest, right? So honesty is another thing, right? Mm. And I always do this for for many of my pictures. I don't promise them the world. I basically also say. Uh, just to clarify with you, this is not what PR can do. If you're expecting this, uh, that's not going to happen. And I'm very blunt and honest with them. I, mean, I think it's this brutal honesty that I always bring to right. the table that builds the relationship, right? It's like both of us, I mean, I understand from a client's perspective that they want the best outcome, right? But I need them to also understand that there are limitations for me to deliver. But I need them to also feel assured that I'll do all I can to basically get that results or yeah. close to it as much right mm. without bullshit <laughs> that's yeah true. yeah that, that's it that's all I, I i i do for them so so i think for many of the big pictures that i've gone gone for uh i've realized playing it nice doesn't really work uh yeah. i turn mm. on my uh beach mode the, yeah you you can tell basically i mean uh if someone is over promising and i yeah. think that's wrong so i don't over promise i basically tell them as a factual kind of thing and I mm. show case studies right because what better way to actually substantiate your claim than showing case studies things that have been done before mm. and I always back up with proof right mm. instead of saying yeah yeah it can be done no problem you know I mean yeah I'm not a used car salesman mm. yeah so that that's that's basically my tactic when it comes to pictures so just brutal honesty being no Bitch face. <laughs> well, <laughs> brutal honesty. I try and make it more casual. I try and crack jokes, you know, and try and ease ease the mood a bit. From our master picture, <laughs> that's uh, that's the that's the advice to everyone. Show jokes and yeah, with you your just, brutal honesty. You just need to relax. Basically, the best way to get your pitch across is to relax. Because what's the worst that can happen is that they won't choose you, but they'll remember you. And for me, that's very important, right? To that's be remembered. True. Yeah. Yeah. For you know, fully for the right things. Well, <laughs> but still, I'll be remembered. Yes, yeah. you will be remembered. <laughs> so, what is your? What do you think is the, the? I mean, what what do you think keeps you so successful over the last eight years? Knowing that you are responsible for your own success, not someone else, and I think that's why I started my own company because I felt that people would take my credit, you know, and 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 I I would keep questioning myself as in. Was that by me? Am I really that good, etc.? And I needed to validate whether I was good or not. So you became a business owner for ego. Mm, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and spite. If you don't have an ego, you can't be a business owner. Yeah. You must have spite and vengeance in your heart as well. You need. You need to have that fire, right? Otherwise, 
I mean, I'm not saying let it over 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 encompass everything, <laughs> but it needs to be there. Yeah. Well, I think clearly also you've been around for about eight years. I think you've seen many new businesses mm. in the PR uh, industry, especially come in and go, come mm-hmm. and go. Mm-hmm. Why do you think that they 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 didn't? Uh, well, why do you think they they weren't so sustainable in that sense? What what was the biggest uh, problems they had? I think I think it's expectations. I think many of them, they and also, it's 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 many of the clients that that basically stop right is because of their own ego as well, mm-hmm. and because they refuse to to accept hard facts, right? Mm-hmm. They refuse to basically understand what is happening and what PR is, mm-hmm. you see, and PR advertising, marketing, digital media, even there always be limitations. Mm-hmm. But that's the, the, the problem with some clients is that they believe, and this is, maybe it's a, it's a local mindset, I don't know, I'm not judging, but they believe that if they pay money to a vendor, then, you know, the money must equate the result. And they see in a very simplistic yeah. point of view. Yeah. When, when it comes to business, you cannot see things from a very simplistic point of view. Mm. You, you know, you, you cannot just put all your eggs in ba- one basket when it comes to your vendors or anything. You have... As a brand owner, you have to basically strategize internally and see where you can part your budget. Mm. And I think maybe maybe they just want basically someone to blame or a scapegoat. You know, many of them do that, yeah. right? But but that's from the client yeah. perspective. But what about from the owner's perspective? Though, why do you why do you think they haven't about they didn't succeed? And uh, because a lot of them they don't want to evolve their mindset they are still holding on to their own traditional values or or beliefs that they they feel were passed down to them from before and i think many brands need to evolve they they need to to, to do trial and error you know if it doesn't work you need to basically go back to scratch and and try again mm-hmm. right but if you keep doing the same thing again and again and expect different results that's madness do you see an evolution though in the pr and I've always seen an evolution in PR because how I've seen PR is very different from how many people see it. Uh, but I think now, especially after the pandemic, they will see the importance as in PR is not just sending out press releases. No, but they just say you're non-essential. Sorry? You were just deemed as non-essential. That is the biggest misconception, right? <laughs> because honestly speaking, this non-essential thing, people tend to think, and I have actually had clients that said to my face, what's so difficult about PR? I also can write a press release and send out to my contacts. What? You I know? love those kind of clients. You gonna do it? Yeah, yeah. yeah I, no, no, I mean, the impulse is there. <laughs> yeah. No, no, say they, they say the same thing. Why, yeah. why you need such a big camera? Just yeah, you know? <laughs> it happens everywhere. Yeah, so so the the, the whole thing, my, my retort is basically, you are paying experts to do the work, don't micromanage them. Don't teach them how to do their job. Uh, otherwise, why are you parking a budget for these vendors and these experts? It's, it's obvious that you can't do it, right? So this is where you need to bring down their ego, right? And, and prove, prove them with facts, right? And, and explain to them that I'm trying to help you, you know? Many of them see us, and I think it's basically breaking down barriers. Sometimes you need to bring them up for a drink or something, you know, to, to understand their psyche. Uh, the worst is when you're fighting against them and, and they feel they have to prove you wrong. This is, this is I use the example when it comes to PR and marketing, no matter sometimes you have everything, right? All your chess pieces in play and all that. Just something can just happen and, and it just goes oh, to hell. Because it's subjective. Yes, right? Yeah. So who do you blame? 
Do you have to blame someone? No. It's just a matter of... But that's a very Asian thing as well, isn't it? You have to blame someone. You have to blame someone. I have someone. to assign someone. Correct. It's very... I'm, I'm not really Asian in the sense, but it's very... No, you're right. I think it's every, everywhere. It, yeah. But it's, it's very, very corporate. Yeah, it's very corporate. That's the they, have Asian to, they have to blame someone and the agency normally is the scapegoat because they want to keep their jobs, right? And I'm willing to and take the blame. Yeah, yeah. But how I like to work with clients and their marketing teams is, is that we are one one symbiotic relationship we have to help one another it's not me versus them and us versus them mm. you know and the moment there's a us versus me versus them then that's already uh, doomed for failure already you know mm. that the, the the contract can't can't work and the moment they start accusing you of things already i'd rather just that say hostile. That, let's just let's just yeah. end this lah, you know before it gets ugly yeah. do, you, do you fear though that once things pick up when people are trying to put the pieces together again mm-hmm. um, what their business was like and they start looking at what's important uh, or what, what is the quickest way to bring up their, their revenues and so on and then they decide that okay I'm going to like slash my media budget or something do you think that are you does it ever concern uh, it, you it, from a marketing to be honest I'm a small agency right I'm a boutique agency and I I, I, I don't see myself as this mega player in, in the market and uh, normally in the marketing budget I'm the first one to go Right, the moment things exactly. turn bad, so it's so all the more after after the COVID nineteen. Yeah, but but I also see it as an opportunity because that is an opportunity for them to to take the lead, right, amongst their other competitors to to get a yeah. a, a edge, you know, yeah. to get an edge. And what better way than to basically get someone that can influence others about your brand, and that's where they should see PR, you know, not as an individual, but as a collective mindset. To influence people about your brand, yeah, mm, I, get, I get what you're saying. I think there's also a misconception that PR and marketing and so on and so forth is is expensive. They're thinking I can go on Facebook and business make make my own or uh, it's you know call to action. I go on Instagram, I do that. Why do I need you guys? Yeah, the the main reason why they need an external agency is to free their mind to focus on their own business. Focus yeah. on what you do. And for, yeah. yeah, exactly. But they keep thinking that, you know, it's very expensive to do it. I'll do it myself. But the cost is more, right? I mean, if they're thinking strategically and from a long-term perspective, the cost will be more if their losses made in the long term from not doing this yeah. and, and thinking they can do everything themselves. And, and I guess people also don't know, don't realize that, you know, time and brain power, time, effort is also an investment of, of, and also costs. In a sense, it's not just just dollars and cents. Yeah, and I think it's ego. You know, it all boils down to ego because people need to realize that that they can't. No man is an island. They they can't do everything themselves. When, when were you? When do you feel that you're the most uncool? Well, there's so many times. When when was Wesley Gunter? When, most when, when I when I started my first job was I was doing uh I, I did the, those those kind of MLM products. I basically tried selling credit cards those annoying people with brochures on, on, on the street. Cards. You know, credit cards, trying to push credit cards to them. And, and how did that shape you today? Uh, you learn how to take rejection. You learn how people will look at you like you're scum. And, and uh, you learn that flyers don't work. Flyers don't work. <laughs> exactly. That's why I say flyers don't work because I've been there. I've done that, right? I've tried like, sir, excuse me. I tried everything under the book, you know. I tried to flirt. I tried to do whatever. I tried to compliment them. But ultimately, I, I realized from the exercise that if people don't want it, they don't want it. You can't convince them to buy something they don't, no matter how well you pitch your services. But if people do want a credit card, right? They will stop. Maybe they had it at the back of their mind, right? Mm. So cold calling doesn't work. 
Mm. Yeah. So why do people still do it then? Because people are still hanging on to these old beliefs and they don't want to change their mindsets. Yeah. Unfortunately. Mm. I mean, you got to evolve, right? Because Times have changed. Many things are still done by flying. I mean, housing agents do it. E- elections are doing it. People, parties are sending you their candidates by flyers and whatever. I, th- I think it's, it's also a... Well, people are lazy to think. They're lazy also to think of new ways to engage the audience. So they just want to fall back on old practices and yeah, you know, uh, just, just, just print out flyers and send out. But if you have no strategy and thought process behind it, it defeats the purpose. But I do, I do realize that many people are too engaged with their own business to think about marketing channels. And marketing is normally pushed aside. It's a by-the-way mm, kind of, of thing, right? Yeah. I mean, think about it. If you're a restaurant owner working 16-hour days, right, or a coffee shop owner, right. you're not going to think about you, selling your brand. You care about your coffee. Yeah. You you care about how many cups of day I, a, a day I can sell, you the know, supply. the supply and all that. <laughs> marketing is at the back of their mind. So small business owners, they generally will not think about the future and how they're going to market their product. And when the time comes, it's already too late. You know, when their business is suffering and all that, and and, and then they, they want to suddenly do a PR or marketing campaign, a push, it's too late because by the time you, it picks up speed, it's already six months down the road, and that's a lot of income loss. What will you say to your, what three things will you say to yourself when you were the most uncool? I would say to be strong, uh, be resilient, and make more friends because that's going to pave the way for your future. And, uh, you know, your success. I think you have to stick to your guns, uh, keep having your own opinion, but at the same time, be open to new ideas and always be humble. That's very important. Yeah. Mm. So Wesley, for our audience out there who is listening or watching, where can they find you on socials or, you know, online? Or just if, if they want to follow what you are doing or what Wet Hook's doing. Yeah. Well, uh, we have an Instagram channel, Facebook. Uh, my website is pretty easy to remember. It's uh, Um Yeah, or just look for me, my name. I'm sure... I'm sure you're gonna have my name. Yes. Right. Wesley Kaiser. There's, there's not many people with the same name. So. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> LinkedIn profile. Yeah. Yeah, that's where you can find me. And on forums, you know, stirring shit. (laughs) (laughs) If you enjoy this podcast, please subscribe to The Uncool or rate us five stars on Spotify or Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. Just search for Freelance Creative Exchange and you can find more episodes of The Uncool or others in our series. And then you click follow. Also, share with us and celebrate the uncool moments by going to any social media platforms and using the hashtag F-C-E-Uncool We want to hear from you and remember it's cool to be uncool